Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. From Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge, we're out to lunch with editor of the Baton Rouge Business Report, Stephanie Regal. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. We all have a pack rat in the family. Maybe, in fact, you're the one with the house that's always a little messy and disorganized. The mail piled high on the table, the garage filled with junk. What makes some people like this? And can anything be done to help them? Joining me today to discuss this is Alyssa Trosclair, owner of Emand, a professional organizing company that specializes in helping clients organize their life. It's a relatively new and emerging field. In fact, Alyssa's the only certified professional organizer in Louisiana. As such, she does more than just help you straighten your closet and declutter your bedroom, though she does that too. As a professional organizer, Alyssa helps you understand why you're disorganized, the root causes, and how you can address those issues and learn new systems to organize your stuff and your life and as a result, perform better and feel happier and less stressed. Alyssa is a Louisiana native with an MBA from LSU. Alyssa, it's a pleasure to have you here today. Thanks so much for joining us on Out to Lunch. Thanks for having me. At the table with me and Alyssa is Dr. Charlie Fry, a licensed clinical psychologist whose firm Fry Psychology specializes in psychoeducational testing for learning disorders and ADHD, evaluation and treatment of anxiety disorders, post-traumatic stress disorder, and psychologically complicated chronic pain conditions, among other things. Charlie is a native of Baton Rouge who got his undergraduate degree at Tulane and did his graduate work at the University of Georgia. He's been in practice here for more than a decade and opened his own practice in the fall of 2018. Charlie, it's great to have you here with us today. Thanks for joining us on Out to Lunch. Great to be here. Thank you. Well, Alyssa, tell me a little bit about being a certified professional organizer. What made you want to go into this field? I've always been intrigued with order and organization (laughs) and always... I remember being about 10 years old and seeing a book by a professional organizer and thinking, that's it, that's what I want to do. And of course, life tells you, uh, no, that's not a real job, you can't do that. <laughs> and so I did uh, go ahead to college and I did get an MBA, but while I was in MBA school, I took an entrepreneurship class and I wrote the business plan. We, well, we were required to write a business plan uh, for Dr. Justice's class and you could turn it in as many times as you wanted and oh, I love he would that. give you a grade and if you were happy with it you could stay there but if you continue to revise it and then you he gave you an A it meant that he thought you could successfully start the business so I wrote the business plan for this business during his class and I did get an A eventually Wow! and um, didn't do this right away I was a consultant for a local consulting firm here in Baton Rouge for a while and after much thought decided let me just go ahead and try this and see if it'll work so I implemented my business plan and I've been in business with him ever since. So your niche is more than just a California closets kind Absolutely. of service, mm-hmm. right? My niche, I would say, is what we call chronically disorganized clients. So ones that have always struggled with maintaining order and organization. They kind of self-describe themselves as a hot mess. And I go in and help them understand that 
the clutter is just a symptom. There's yes. something bigger going on uh, that's causing the clutter to emerge. And so I help them identify that and as best I can teach them the skills, the executive functioning skills that they're missing that are causing this disorganization. So sometimes that includes partnering with their therapist, um, including if they're dealing with things like depression, OCD, a shopping addiction. Those are things that I am not trained on how to fix or solve or help them through, but I am trained on how to recognize it. So if it is impeding their progress and getting their space organized, then I can then refer them to a therapist or partner with a therapist they're currently working with to help them work through those mental health issues that were impacting their physical space. So interesting. So Charlie, I want to bring you into the conversation. Um, I mean, do you work with, with people like Alyssa? And can a certified professional organizer really help somebody? Or do you need to work with a therapist or a psychologist? Well, she and I were visiting uh, earlier today, and I, I was telling her I don't see a lot of a lot of those cases now. Um, I've saw I saw some when I was in graduate training, um, actually of a, a hoarding patient or two. Um, in the from the context of it being an anxiety disorder, that it, the the person was um, sort of felt like things almost had feelings and to throw them out would sort of be hurting their feelings and uh anyway there's a lot a lot more going on there but uh it's been a while since i've worked with uh, a client on that issue specifically i think the way that that my practice maybe has the most to do um with with Alyssa is there are people who have anxiety disorders and obsessive compulsive disorder of which hoarding is maybe a cousin i guess hmm. um and then Alyssa also mentioned the issue of executive functions, which is a term you hear more these days. It refers to someone's ability to see a task as having lots of little parts that need to happen in a certain order at a, with a certain set of priorities. Mm-hmm. Um, that's commonly impaired in people who have attention deficits. And so I guess my, um, my role in, in cases like this might be to help identify somebody who has an inherent deficit or set of deficits in their ability to uh, look at a task, maybe that looks like an overwhelming task, and see where to start, how they're going to finish, and how to get from point A to point Z or it's, double it's like Z. What I always, it it's kind of like what I call eating the <clears> elephant, because <throat> I have I have a, a child who right who's like this, and it's like you got to learn how to eat the elephant, how to take this massive thing and break it into manageable pieces. It right. really is an issue that some people have trouble with. Right. I think the the role for me a lot of times is just, is to be able to identify that that's a real deficit that it's not someone who's just too lazy to clean up or right, right. or um, a child who just doesn't give a flip about getting their homework done or about studying for the test but where there may be a real deficit in their ability to see how to get done what they know needs to get done and they may be well motivated to complete uh, but just don't have the the cognitive skill set to figure out how to get there. So y'all is this something that um the, it, you can learn, like learned behavior. I mean, are there actually steps that can teach somebody this? Or or is medication, I mean, is something like, you know, ADHD, where medication is the better issue? Or, or both, maybe? I, I, think, I think I would probably say both. Uh, I mean, Alyssa probably honestly has more um, experience with the, with the training of it, the behavioral modification of it, than, than I do in my practice. But... Um, and I don't prescribe medicine either, I should say, but sure. there are um, medicines that, that stimulate the parts of our brain that, that control those executive functions, and that's really what ADHD medication seems to be doing, is helping those executive circuits function in a less glitchy way. Um, but those only go so far and can do so much, and, and there is a point at which 
developing a, a skill set, a set of behaviors, habits uh, can, can get someone where they need to be. I tell my clients all the time, organizing is a skill. <laughs> what is a skill? It's different than a talent. A talent's something you're in, you're born with, whereas a skill is something that you can practice and get better at. So lots of them try, they read a magazine about, about a tip or trick to get organized, and it doesn't work. Surprise, surprise. Well, they give up. They get frustrated. They get overwhelmed. They give up. But what I like to see is that if you keep trying a system and you get better at it, then you are improving that skill. So even though you may not be perfect, yet you're still better than when you started and so if you continue to get better a little at a time you're improving yourself and then you're improving that organizing skill and then over time you'll make drastic changes in your life. So as a psychologist I know Charlie right you you go to continuing education you keep up with the literature as an organizer Alyssa is there a body of knowledge out there or best practices for professional organizers how do you stay up to date on on what's out there and what is out there. Sure, so that is why I became a certified professional organizer. We have a national association. It used to be called the National Association of Professional Organizers. They've recently changed their name to the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. <laughs> and what they saw over the 30 years that this organization has been in, in business is that there needed to be a way to distinguish someone who just woke up this morning and said they're going to be a professional organizer yeah. versus someone who is trained and understands the brain and the mind and the way that people think. So they created the BCPO, the Board of Certified Professional Organizers, and th I have to go through the same process that like a CPA or anybody like that would. And so uh, there's a set of qualifications that you have to meet to hmm. be eligible to take the exam. Um, and after you pass the exam, in order to keep up your certification, I have to do 45 hours of continuing education units really? every three years. So it's not as easy as when you're a therapist to find these classes. <laughs> so you ask, where do I get them? One is through our national association. And through, um, we don't have a local chapter here, but we have a virtual chapter that I belong to. I attend conferences. And like I told Tim, I have a lot of mental health buddies that call me when they attend a class that they know I can benefit from. So if it's something to do with OCD, if it's something to do with um, ADHD, hoarding, I will attend these mental health classes as well. So the majority of my CEUs are actually in the mental health field as opposed sure. to traditionally in the organizing field. Why do you think we don't have more CPOs in Louisiana? You know, I don't think that the... Um, that our customers demand it yet. No one really knows what a CPO is until I tell them what it is and then I tell them why they should hire one. And so as an organizer, if you're running your business and doing fine without being that a CPO, then I think they're okay with that. Right. Where that is not my mentality. It's not, I didn't become a CPO with the thought of I need to get more clients with this certification, I became a CPO because I want to be the best organizer for my clients. And I'm addicted to education and anything that I can learn and do to better myself and better my clients is what I'm going to do. Sure. And so that is why I chose to do it. Charlie, since you've been out on your own, how do you distinguish yourself among you know the, the professionals out there for your client niche? Um, I guess just try to do the best work that I can. That yeah. sounds like such a vanilla thing to say, <laughs> but I'm, uh, I'm not one to, uh, to, to do a lot of marketing and outreach. Really? I just try to do, really, I just try to do, um, as good a job as I can. And most referrals come, um, word of mouth and uh, you do, you work by so. a lot of referrals. Yes, ma'am. 
What about, um, you mentioned, you know, ADHD, OCD, different things. I mean, we were talking about hoarding. We know so much more about psychology today than we did, you know, 20, 30, 50 years ago. And it's such an evolving field. And I know the, you know, the diagnostic manual, what I'm forgetting the acronym for it, right? But it keeps every, every edition of it gets bigger and bigger with more and more disorders, right? Um, is it just that we know so much more? And what, what role does technology, you know, play in all this? I mean, are these little cell phones making people um, more scattered, more, more disorganized, more hyper, more anxious? They make my teenage son more uh, irritating. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> um, I think that, that um, we, do, we do know more and we understand more. And I guess... Um, so my practice being a relatively small practice is one that people don't just trip over. They tend to have to seek out, hence yeah. the, the word of mouth. Um, but as as there's more, I guess, awareness of problems, like um, you hear about rates of autism going sure. through the roof. And I, I think that's mostly just that people are more aware of it um, and being more aware of it and the possibility that what in years past would have been labeled as a slow learning child. Quirky or, kid, right? Right. Uh, could could be something different and more more specific that can be understood better and targeted in a more effective way for treatment. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Charlie Fry of Fry Psychology and Alyssa Trosclair of EMEND. We'll be right back after this very short break. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Charlie Fry of Fry Psychology and Alyssa Trosclair of EMEND. Do you, do you, Alyssa, find that, you know, having so many, you know, and children who are raised with so many distractions and everything makes them more scattered, maybe less able to focus and some of those executive skills that we were talking about? I mean, do you think that plays into it? Absolutely. Um, clutter can sometimes be defined as a delayed decision. And when you think about that, clutter is just piles of things that you didn't deal with at that time you put it down to deal with it later and people if especially a, a person with ADHD they want to do what's most interesting not necessarily what's most important mm -hmm. and so there's always something more interesting on your phone always right. than a pile of papers you want to you know a file or pay bills and things like that so my clients, I find, are always looking for that quick fix, and they depend on their phones for that quick fix. They want the perfect to-do app that's just going to make their to-do so organized that they'll they'll just be so productive. And what I like to tell them is there's no app out there that's going to teach you the skills you need to know to actually get the items done. There's no app out there that's going to do the to-dos for you, <laughs> even right. though you're looking for it. You really just need to take the time to learn the skills and minimize those distractions so that you can actually be more productive and and get more organized in your home. So how long does someone stay with you? Um, how, <laughs> what's the typical course of treatment to be organized, I guess? Well, um, I do get, I like to say my quick and easy clients where we're in and out in say a month of, you know, they have something very finite that they want to organize. But oftentimes, because my specialty is chronic disorganization, I get the person that it's their life we're trying to organize and everything in it. And I've worked with clients um, close to 10 years. 
Really? <laughs> that it's more of a maintenance issue. We've already gotten it kind of gone. They just need help to continue the process. And it's not to say we're meeting every day for 10 years, but maybe once a month we're doing a check-in and trying to fine-tune some things that they're struggling with. And to be honest, a lot of my clients get dependent on me so that they and do you actually go into their home and help them organize their laundry room or their you know kids bedroom or their study or or do you just send them you know suggestions for organizing their thoughts and their to-do lists oh it's very hands-on it's both it's both yeah. so if you call me and say hi i'm struggling with paper mm-hmm. well that's if you're you're my quick and easy client if I can go in and just create a filing system and you're like awesome now that it's created I can keep it up that's not the majority of my clients the paper is not just because they didn't file away a bill the paper is years worth of to-dos that they haven't done that they need to do and they're avoiding and why 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 are they avoiding and how come they can't sit down and get the stuff done so that client takes a lot longer than someone who just needs me to digitize their papers and go paperless or create a filing system so interesting Charlie, I mean, what do you make of this kind of, um, I mean, does this seem like an effective strategy? Yeah, it does. And I think Alyssa's going to have maybe a new client or two after the, uh, lunch today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm struck by the, the. it's not just a matter, and Alyssa said, of, of, of a, an app that'll do it or, or even just learning here's what to do, but the practice of doing it, mm-hmm. uh, which is what I think she and I have so much overlap that it's, it's behavioral. It's behavioral therapy. If you're learning to do things differently so that you get better outcomes than you have been getting, that to me, I guess through my lens, that's behavior therapy. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I think Alyssa's doing a lot of behavior therapy, and there are some people who uh, like you said, they they can learn the skills, practice the habits, and then maintain that independently. And then there are other people who are just going to need more continued support, maybe because they do have some inherent limitation in their executive functioning, as we were saying earlier, or um, emotional factors that just pull them so strongly back towards where they were before that they do need some structure and support over a longer period of time. What, what attracted you to psychology, Charlie? Um, Did you always want to do that when you were growing up? my mom was always interested in it and so she had books around and I found it interesting and I I got to college and I took a couple of course the course I wanted to take was the abnormal psychology course that that's the ones interesting but you couldn't take that until you got through stats and the 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 math heavy one and somehow I made it through the math heavy one and then so I took the abnormal one and a couple of more and before I knew it I was you know three quarters away to a major and thought well ought to continue right there you go that's great Alyssa did you have um you I know you got your MBA and you went to business school did you have an undergrad in psychology I don't I wish I did at this point my undergraduate degree is in ISDS which is information systems and decision sciences which is computers basically how to run a computer operation in a business so it was through the business school um every single day i use that degree (laughs) and it helps my clients a lot a lot of them are technically challenged and i can go in and help them with things i never thought i was going to be doing like i bet it's very helpful yeah i can't set up my printer okay let me do that um but help them through some of the their to-dos that have to do with technology Mm -hmm. i'm able to do that and of course if it is something related to um, technology and organizing. So for instance, I do um, photo organizing. A lot of that has to do with digital photos that we're all inundated with now. Don't y'all think we just have too much stuff today? I mean, we live in such a consumer culture. And, you know, when you look at the way people lived 50 or 100 years ago, right? I mean, kids shared bedrooms, they shared a bathroom. They look at the size of a closet in an old house. It's small. People didn't have just 
40 and 50 pairs of shoes. I mean, we have so much stuff today. And I don't know if, if you know, evolutionarily, we've caught up with how to process that. Mm-hmm. That's my pet theory. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think that, uh, I think you're right that, uh, you know, stuff is cheaper to get now than it once was. And, um, and as our economic prospects have improved and we can afford, we're richer now than we've ever been, we can buy lots of stuff. And then once we get it, we, we sort of confuse its value in the present mm-hmm. to how great it felt to get it yeah. or how special it's become to us over the years or the experience we were having at the time we bought it. And, and so it has this emotional um, component to it that makes it hard just to get rid of. So, and then of course, there's all kind of storage mini storage units we can just rent a storage place and put it in there and we don't have to and again we don't have to decide to get rid of it i don't have to make that decision now i'll just put it in storage and i will say this hoarding is a relatively new epidemic and back in the day when it stems from the great depression and if you were reared in that environment where you were Mm -hmm. told to save 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 keep 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 because you don't have the means to buy again it's hard to fast forward 30 years and just snap your fingers and not have that in in eight, what would you have been told your right. whole life um, taken out of you? And so the difference is that now we have that in the back of our head saying, keep, 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 what if we need this? You know, we can't buy it again. But then we're coupled with what he said, which is we are richer than we've ever been before. We can go to the corner and every, every corner is a dollar store and get whatever we need. And so we've now have the part in us saying, keep it, but now we have the ability to buy it whenever we want. Well, those two things add up to too much stuff. Yeah, definitely. So as a CPO, Alyssa, how do you distinguish yourself in the marketplace from California closets? I mean, is it on your logo? I mean, how do you tell your clients that I'm more than just a California closet? Yeah, and I would say California Closets is more of a partner to me, not a competition so much because I need their closet system sometimes in my clients' homes to help them get organized. It's more of distinguishing myself from other professional organizers. Um, And I do that by what you said, trying to do the best that I can, always continuing to educate myself and making sure that I am up to date with the industry. Uh, people don't hire me because they think the way I do. And so I can't go into someone's home and set up their home the way I would my own home. They're hiring me because our brains work completely different. So the hardest part of my job is trying to understand their brain and setting up a system that is going to work for them, a non-organized brain, and making sure that they can maintain it. And I don't know um, if other organizers out there do that or if they just go in and put things in containers with pretty labels and make everything look beautiful but you haven't taught the skills that the person needs to keep it up is it expensive to hire an organizer it can be if you do it for 10 years (laughs) you charge hourly i charge hourly yes what kind of billable rate do you get? Or can you, do you prefer not to say? No, I'm fine with saying it. So I charge, if it's just myself working with the client, I'll charge $60 an hour. I have um, a That's staff not a member. Bad rate. No, it's not. It's in line with a decorator or anything like that. Um, I have another organizer that will work with me. And if it's two organizers, it's 100 an okay. hour. Mm-hmm. And, and Charlie, I know, I mean, do, 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 does health insurance cover some of the services that you provide or do people have to pay out of pocket or both? Uh, both. It's both. almost always both. That there are things, uh, services and, and types of um, instruments to administer, questions to answer that are considered 
medically necessary or under people's coverage. And there's almost always things that uh, need assessing, need mm-hmm. measuring, we need to understand better that for one reason or another are not considered medically necessary or under insurance. And so those things tend to fall out of pocket. It's almost I, always a combination. Yeah. You see that the behavioral and mental health field growing today, for, I, especially for, for psychologists? I do. I, I think so. And we, you, you mentioned at the beginning, one of the areas I practice in is with people who have chronic pain problems. And yeah. um, the, you know, I guess things kind of come and go in cycles. There was a time when this was very well understood that, that a chronic pain condition is, is a, it's a medical condition, but it's also occurring in a human being with thoughts and feelings and habits. Um, and that got lost for a while. It's kind of coming back now with so much concern about overprescription of opioids. Yeah. But I think seeing things through the lens of if it's a human being problem, if it's occurring in a human being, psychology is relevant to it because we all have thoughts and emotions and habits and behaviors and those things can grow to be just as big a part of the problem as the underlying medical condition in a lot of cases and are are equally important in pointing towards a solution. So when you counsel people in that area, I mean, can you make their pain feel better or just helping them deal with the pain in a better way, maybe? It's, that's, that's a, it's a good and interesting question that kind of gets at the kind of the existential issue at hand which is 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 pain tissue damage or is pain the experience that we have is that is it the accommodation of the 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 physical sensation and the emotional reaction we have to it i think that the the more comprehensive a view you take of it uh that that pain isn't purely a physical phenomenon Hmm. it's a it's a the, the big word is biopsychosocial, biological, psychological. <laughs> I know that won't spell check. So we'll flag that every time. Uh, that if you think of it that way, then the answer is yes, that, that psychological intervention can help people hurt less. Wow. Where do you all want to be in three to five years? What's your, what's your plan for your, for your respective firms, businesses? Alyssa? I would love to create sort of a one-stop shop organizing center. Anything you need organizing related, I'd like it to be that. I would love to see in Baton Rouge more resources for clients struggling with hoarding. Currently, they're very, very, very limited. Um, And I want to see, I would envision this hoarding center where we could bring together professional organizers, therapists, uh, clean-out crews, anything that these people needed to help them because so many of them feel uh, just hopeless. Very good. What about you, Charlie? Uh, modest fella. I'd like to have a little bit bigger <laughs> practice than I have now. I just have a, a small shop, and I'd, I'd like to... Um, I'd like to do fewer administrative tasks, so maybe a partner or two. Or so you're totally uh, alone therapist. right now. No other uh, professionals in your office. Well, I shouldn't say that. I have a couple people who help me here and there, yeah. but I, 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 there are there are times where people um, you need to be seen or need services, and I just it, it takes too long for yeah. for them to get in with me. So I just like to have a, a little bit bigger office, maybe a partner or two, and just able to have people come in a little bit more efficiently than I can sometimes now. Well, excellent. Good luck to you both, Charlie Fry and Alyssa Trost-Claire. It's encouraging to know y'all are out there bringing unique and much-needed services to the community and helping people get a handle on their stuff and their to-do list and their life in general. So it's been a pleasure to meet you. Thanks so much for joining me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Alyssa Trostclair of EMEND and clinical psychologist Charlie Fry. You can find out more about EMEND and Fry Psychology by going to the links on our website, itsbatonrouge.la. 
If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Out to Lunch Baton Rouge social media. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. Our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino, Dave Winwood, and Ann Edelman. Today's show was engineered by Colin Peden. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch Baton Rouge is recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily, 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. 